right, good morning, Grace Church. Great to see you this morning. We are starting this brand new series called The Gospel of John. Those of you that are visiting for the first time want to welcome you. My name is Justin Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and we are excited about this series. The Gospel of John is often referred to as the salvation gospel, because this is the gospel that we point people to, to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. You want to know how to be saved? You want to know how to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus forever? You go to the Gospel of John. This is an incredible gospel, and I'm excited to dive in it with you for the next few weeks together. And uh, I apologize if we're kind of having you stand and sit and stand and sit, but I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And we're going to read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verses 1 through 5 together. We did this through our Psalm 23 series, and I loved it so much that I just wanted to do it again. I think there's something powerful in the words of God as we read them together. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting it in a different translation. Okay, you knew, now you know I grew up in church. Okay? All right, here we go. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You can be seated this morning. If you would, join me in prayer. Father, I, I pray that through the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that you would speak powerfully through the words that John wrote down thousands of years ago. And I pray that it would impact us, that it would motivate us, that it would convict us, Lord, that it would save us. I pray that you would have your will and your way in this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I want to encourage you uh, to bring your Bible with you when you come to church. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to... Um, go to the Welcome Center after the service and say, I don't have a Bible, and we will give you one. Throughout this series, I think it would be really good to bring your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone, okay? Maybe you have version on your phone, but you're going to be ready to highlight some things throughout this uh, message series. There are some verses in, in the Gospel of John that are not only life-changing, but they are eternity-changing. And so bring a highlighter, bring your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone. You can highlight verses on your Bible app. But I want to encourage you to uh, really, uh, man, be intentional about uh, get, getting into the Gospel of John. I want to encourage you to read it for yourself. So once again, if you don't have a Bible, we would gladly give you one. Um, it's free. It's on us. We want to bless you with the Word of God. So the Gospel of John, once again, is the Gospel of eternal life. It was written so men and women and children would believe on Jesus Christ and through their faith in Christ alone, receive <laughs> eternal life. And John wants to talk to us about the celebrity of the universe. We kind of live in a celebrity crazed culture. I mean, on social media, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all those social media sites. I mean, we just live in a celebrity crazed uh, culture. But I want you to know about the celebrity of the universe, Jesus Christ. John who once again walked with Jesus. He got to see Jesus heal people. He got to see how Jesus interacted with people and how he spoke to people. He was an eyewitness to the things of Christ. 
He opens up this letter. John is writing this letter to us. And he opens up this letter with a bang. He begins in John chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says, In the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word, let's read those three words together again. The word was God. He identifies this unique celebrity of the universe as the word. If Jesus had a nickname, his nickname would be the word. Everybody say, the word. And I just have word to your mother, right? The word needs to go to your father. The word needs to go to your children. Jesus' nickname is... The Word. All right, how many of you had nicknames when you were little? All right, growing up. Raise your hand. How many of you would love to come up here and share what those nicknames were? All right, all right, nobody. I actually wanted to play a little game this morning. I actually talked with the pastoral team, and I said, what were some of your nicknames growing up? And uh, so what we want to do this morning is just have a little fun before we dive in. Um, And we're going to play a little game called Name That Nickname. Okay? Name That Nickname. And so I'm going to throw four different nicknames, and you have to try to decide which pastor at Grace Church matches up with that nickname, okay? The first one was Yaya, okay? That was the first nickname. The second one was The Brain, and you already know who that is, right? All right? The third one was Toucan, Toucan, and then the last one was Sandman. And your options are Pastor Keith Elwine, Pastor Katie Davis, Pastor Chris Sandrich, and then myself. So uh, try to match those up. I'll give, I'll give you a minute. We don't have any background music. I'll, I'll play a little tune for you. Okay. This is getting really weird. Are you ready? You got them matched up? All right, I don't know if we can show these one at a time here, but uh, the first one, yeah, yeah, is Katie Davis, yeah, yeah. All right, so if you see her this morning, just say, yeah, yeah, and she will respond to you, okay? The second one, the brain, Keith Elwine. You guys knew it was me, right? You just knew it deep down. You're like, man, that guy, when he talks, he's so smart, he has to be the brain. He has to be the brain. And that was a joke, by the way. The second, or the third one, rather, is Toucan. That was myself. Toucan. All right? Yeah, when I played football, I I have a big butt. So uh, when I was uh, at the awards banquet my senior year, they gave me two cans of green bean with duct tape around it. And that was my nickname, Toucan. All right? And then uh, lastly, Sandman is Pastor Chris. All right? I actually... uh, Chris had another nickname, but it was going to be so obvious. But when you see him after the service today, his real nickname is Kissyfer. Okay? All right? And I'll let him explain why he has that nickname. All right? So, so Jesus' nickname would be the Word. That's his nickname, the Word. The Greek translation for Word is Logos. The Greeks would, would look at Logos as this impersonal force. This was a god to the Greeks, Logos. This was an impersonal force that was responsible for the universe. It was this impersonal power that was responsible for knowledge and wisdom and for all of creation. This is what the Greeks believed 
When they said Logos, they, they, they knew this was an impersonal being, this deity that they couldn't interact with, but this deity was responsible for all wisdom and knowledge and for all of creation. And so John is using this word, Logos, on purpose. John wants to clear up any misunderstandings by saying, no, the word Logos is actually personified. The word Logos is actually a person. It's not some impersonal being. It's a person. The word is a person, not an impersonal force that's behind all of wisdom and all of knowledge and all of creation. John says the word Logos is actually personal. It's a person. John says three things about the word, and this is what I want you to understand. These are important. These are actually what sets Jesus apart from every other deity that's ever existed in this world. This sets Jesus Christ apart from Buddha and Muhammad and from any other uh, religion. This is what sets Jesus Christ apart. John chapter 1, he starts out by saying Jesus is unique. He is different from every other deity out there. John says three things about the word. First of all, he says, number one, the word pre-existed. He says, the word was in the beginning. In the beginning, the word already existed. Some of you here this morning, you might, you might actually believe that, man, Jesus was just a good prophet. He was a good teacher. That he was born from Mary, and that was like the beginning of his, uh, of his existence. He existed before Mary existed. He existed from the very beginning. The word pre-existed. Not only was the word pre-existent, but number two, the word also coexisted. The word was with God. That means the word was with God face to face. They worked side by side. The word was in the beginning. The word was with God. And then number three, John makes it clear that the word is self-existent. He says, the word was God. The word existed in the beginning. The word was with God. And the word was God. And God is a self-existent being. This is something you need to know about the God that you serve and the God that you worship. He is self-existent. God is the only being who does not need to go outside of who he is to function or to exist. And that cannot be said of anything or anyone else in all of creation. Everything else in all of creation is dependent upon something else or someone else to be what it is. But God is self-existent. You take oxygen away from me, I'm dead. I am dependent upon oxygen. I'm dependent upon gravity. I'm dependent upon a T-bone steak. Okay? I am dependent upon a lot of things. I am a dependent being. I'm a dependent creature. God is not. He is self-existent. God is who he is because he is who he is. Or as Jesus would call himself later in the letter, he said in John chapter 8 and verse 58, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born. Okay? Maybe you've never heard of Abraham, but most people when they hear Abraham, they're like, oh man, that's that really old dude. 
that, you know, that I've seen maybe on TV. He has a white beard and he lived a long time ago. It's like the beginning of the Bible. So Jesus is saying, hey, before Abraham was even born, I am. That, that, is, that is like the most powerful statement of saying, I am God in the flesh. I am. Not I was. I'm self-existent. I always have been. I'm God in the flesh. The eternal self-existent one. Not only was the word or logos separate from God while at the same time being God, but he personifies it in verse 2 by saying he existed in the beginning. So the word was a person, not just an idea or a thought or a concept or a force. The word was a person. And John goes on to say that everything was created through him and by him. So whatever and whoever the word is, he is responsible for all of creation. Now, this is where it gets really difficult because Jesus is set apart. Man, whenever you talk about religion or you even talk about God, it's like, man, everybody kind of gets along. But when you bring up Jesus, all of a sudden things get tense in the room. And why is that? Because Jesus sets himself Apart, There's many religions that believe Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a good prophet. He was just a really good dude that walked on this earth and died. Okay, But John is making it clear. This was not just your average human being. This Jesus Christ was unique. He was separate. He was different. The next statement that John makes is so powerful. He says in verse 4, The word gave life. Life came from a person who was separate from God while at the same time being God. Anybody confused yet? All right. That statement introduces us to the concept of the Trinity. One God composed of three co-equal persons who are distinct in personality while being unified in one essence. And of course, I'm going to use food illustrate the trinity all right it's like a pretzel all right with three holes there's three different holes but they make one pretzel all right man that's good that's good all right listen the trinity all right i'm picturing a pretzel dipped in cheese right now man all right what in the world all right the father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is neither the Father nor the Son, but they make up one Godhead. And that's why he could be separate from God and be God at the same time. All right? It says, from this person, from Logos, came light and life. Light and life came from him. Why? Because this word, this logos, came to dispel darkness. To bring light. To bring the light of God into the midst of the darkness of mankind. You see, due to sin, due to rebellion, uh, <clears throat> we, we rebelled against the holy God. When Adam and Eve made the decision to, to disobey God, 
Sin was introduced into the world. Death was introduced into the world. And something had to be done about this. A redeemer had to come to set us free from our brokenness. So many people blame God. They say God is the enemy for the bad things and the evil that happens. But really, you need to understand this. God is for you. He's not against you. Our real enemy is sin and death. That's our real enemy. Sin, death, and Satan. God came to bring light. God came to restore the brokenness. John then takes a whole swath of of chapter 1 to tell us about the messenger, John the Baptist, who came to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And in verse 29 of John chapter 1, John the Baptist declared Jesus as the one. He declared Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. This was a fulfillment of prophecy that was spoken in the Old Testament thousands of years earlier. It was spoken in Isaiah chapter 53. And the prophecy was that the Messiah would come and he would be the suffering servant. And he would give his life to pay the penalty to the wrath of God. You see, God is holy. He's perfectly just. There cannot be any flaw, any sin. And so uh, a sacrifice had to be uh, a sacrifice had to be given to satisfy the wrath of God. The wrath of God towards sin and wickedness and rebellion. And this Messiah prophesied in Isaiah 53 would be the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world or those who put their faith in him and follow him. If you put your faith in him, if you you follow Jesus Christ, your sins would be forgiven. This was the prophecy that was spoken This prophecy said that his sacrifice would be sufficient for the whole world who is the Lamb of God. So when John the Baptist declared, Jesus, behold, look, everybody turn your attention at Jesus. Look, there's the Lamb of God. He was making such a bold, powerful statement. So let's be crystal clear this morning on who this word is. Who is the word? You probably have a pretty good idea, but let's make sure... We see it crystal clear in Scripture. Who is this Logos? John answers that question in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And this is where we basically get hit with a spiritual two-by-four. Okay, upside the head. This is where Jesus is set apart from every other religion. Verse 14. Those first five words makes all the difference. So remember, the word pre-existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And it says, so the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Word became flesh. The word that was in the beginning, the word that was with God, the word that was was God became human. And we call this the incarnation or the in-fleshness of God. Or another way you could say it is God in the bod. Okay? That's what incarnation means. He came and he wrapped himself in flesh and God became a man so that we as humans 
could have a relationship with the Almighty God. You see, the Old Testament, they would sacrifice lambs. And remember, it had to be a spotless lamb. It had to be a, a lamb that was healthy and, and there wasn't any spots on it, no blemishes. And they would sacrifice this lamb. But these lambs were insufficient to provide ongoing forgiveness of sin. You guys know what it's like when you, when you experience something that's insufficient. Don't raise your hand, but when was the last time you used your debit card and it said insufficient funds, okay? You didn't have enough in the bank to pay for what you were wanting to pay for. The lambs that were sacrificed in the Old Testament were not enough to pay the price to the wrath of God. It was declined. It was insufficient. You see, the lambs that were sacrificed in the Old Testament would temporarily sway the wrath of God away, but it provided no permanent solution or substitution. But everything changed when God became a man, knowing that men had to be redeemed by a man. And the man that would bring the redemption had to be perfect. He had to be a spotless lamb. There couldn't be any sin. There couldn't be any blemishes. And the only way we could be made right with this holy, righteous, perfect God was through a sacrifice or through a payment. And there had to be enough funds in the bank to cover that payment. And the payment had to be made for our wrongdoings, for our sins. This payment, the sacrifice, had to be perfect. Even his blood could not be stained with sin. That's why Jesus was born from a virgin. Because unfortunately for you and I, none of us had to be taught how to lie or how to steal or how to be just downright evil sometimes. We just, we inherited that sin nature from our fathers. But Jesus, his father, was the Holy Spirit of God, and he was born from a virgin Mary, so he did not have that sinful nature passed on to him. God became a man so that we could be made acceptable to a holy God, and through the sacrifice of the second member of the Trinity, God's son, Jesus Christ, you and I, can be redeemed. We can be set free from our brokenness. And this brings us to verse 18. This is another epic verse in the Gospel of John. He says, No one has ever seen God. I have to pause here for a moment. I, I don't say this to offend. I say this because I want you to know the truth. But we can think of some people that have called themselves prophets that said that they have seen God. They have seen visions. And they have created whole religions from those visions. But we see right here in God's word that says no one has ever seen God. But the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Now get this. This is so critical. This is so important. I, I don't know what you saw in your dream, or I don't know what you saw in your mountaintop experience. But it wasn't God. Maybe, maybe it was too much pizza the night before, okay? But it was not God. No man has seen God at any time. But the unique one who is himself God. Now, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. The word became flesh. Like this is, the, 
the unique, only begotten God, he became human. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. For God, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. He is the fullness of the deity in bodily form. So even though no man has seen God... Jesus has made God accessible to us. Jesus has visibly explained God to us. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know how he acts, how he reacts, if you want to know what his standards are, what his will is, all you need to do is take a really good look at Jesus Christ. And By doing that, you have seen the manifestation of the invisible God in the person of Christ who is the fullness of God. Jesus is the one who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Incredible. So throughout this series, we're going to look closely at the life of Jesus because I believe by looking at and learning from Jesus We are looking at and we are learning from God. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. So to close this message this morning, I want us to read a summary of who Jesus is. And that's who we're going to encourage you here at Grace Church. Man, Jesus is always the answer. He's the one you need. And so we're going to always do our best to point you to Jesus Christ. He is the one that will... will, uh, Redeem and save and rescue. We're going to always point you to Christ. This summary, once again, that we're about to read was written by the Apostle Paul. And it's found in the letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi. So he's writing this letter to a church. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. And he says this. Though he, and he's speaking of Jesus Christ, this is the context. Though he was God... Oh my goodness, I don't know, this isn't in my notes, but I've had so many conversations with people that, and there's, there's, there's religions, once again, that don't believe Jesus is God. I've had conversations with family members, and they're like, man, I just, I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says Jesus is God. It's like, have you read John chapter 1? Look at Philippians chapter 2, in the first part of verse 6, it says, though he was God. And, And now we're confronted with either the Bible is true or, like, it is the biggest farce ever on the planet. It's, it's either true or it's a lie. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, this is a summary of Jesus Christ again. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! Come on. So I have to say that Jesus Christ is in a class all by himself. He is uniquely one of a kind. So what is your reaction? What is my reaction to this news? What's your response to this news? Our response should be worship. Our response should be bowing, surrendering, following. And when you encounter someone with this kind of resume or this kind of status, you don't just simply acknowledge him and walk the other way. When you encounter someone with this kind of uniqueness, this kind of celebrity status, you give him everything you've got. He is the only one in the universe who is worthy of all that you have. He's worthy. And so I encourage you to look to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to give him your life. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for John chapter 1. Thank you that John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words so that we could be encouraged by them, so that we can know that Jesus Christ wasn't just some good prophet or a good teacher or a good man. He was God in the flesh. He came to earth to redeem us, to set us free from our brokenness. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us to personally make the decision to follow Christ and to live for Christ. God, I pray that today people wouldn't leave here without grabbing a pastor or grabbing the friend that brought them or uh, connecting with uh, the person behind the welcome desk. Anybody just saying, how can I know this Jesus? Just like Keith was talking about in his testimony Maybe, maybe when we're done praying, they just run to the front here and say, I need this Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to follow this Jesus that you're talking about. Lord, we love you. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd have your will and way in hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen.